0: local, daily news matters most. Keep it tuned to KBUT. Our newscast airs at noon, 2, and 6 p.m. every weekday, and Christopher Biddle and the KBUT News Department are committed to keeping the Gunnison Valley informed and up-to-date. When the news isn't on, our volunteer DJs will bring you any important announcements you need to know, all while keeping the soundtrack of the Gunnison Valley going. It's community radio for the Gunnison Valley, KBUT, and we're here for you.
1: You are listening to KBUT 90.3 Crested Butte and KGNI 88.7 Gunnison.
2: community radio for the Gunnison Valley. Heard at 90.3 KBUT Crested Butte and 88.7 KG&I Gunnison and of course worldwide at KBUT.org. Thanks for tuning in this evening. In this next hour we are bringing some special programming for our community to share and learn more about COVID-19 in the Gunnison Valley. I am your host Christopher Biddle happy to be here with you via teleconference with our panel this evening. We are joined This week by Gunnison County Commissioner Jonathan Hauk, Health and Human Services Director, Joni Reynolds, Director of the Center for Mental Health, Kimberly Bohonik, and Chris Rourke of the Gunnison Country Times and Mark Riemann of the Crested Butte News. And I just want to get a hello from everyone. How are we doing? Thank you for joining us this week, folks. Thanks for
0: having us. Thanks for having us.
3: Uh, Thanks, Chris. Hey,
2: Chris. And we just want to let everyone know that you can call in your question, uh, 970-349-7444 to ask your questions. Uh, we are going to start with uh, a sort of a roundtable status update, uh, and I'd like to, Joni Reynolds to start off. I've got three questions. What are you seeing, what are you doing, and what are your next steps?
3: Thanks, Chris. So over the weekend and today, we've seen a number of new um, test results come in, and we now have 39 positive cases here in Gunnison County and 41 negative. We still have 56 tests pending, and some of those date back all the way to the 13th of the month. We're trying to get the results more efficiently and quicker from the state lab, but uh, they are struggling to get those test results out to us. We... um, sadly, today had to report the first COVID-19 associated death here in Gunnison County. And that brings um, sadness for me in the community and a a very reality of the impact of this outbreak here right at home. We are working um, diligently. I updated our public health orders on Saturday to really focus in on uh, those that have traveled out of the county, particularly those that have traveled for spring break. um, uh, The order directs those that have traveled out of the county and are returning to high density housing, including the dorms or apartments, uh, multiple units, uh, to self-isolate for a period of seven days to assure that we try to limit any spread of the virus that may have been acquired outside of our community. In addition, the new orders strongly recommend that anyone who's traveled outside of Gunnison County also self-isolate for seven days. Again, the reality is traveling out of the county brings a risk of exposure to the virus that could then be brought back to our county.
2: Sure, and um, and I'm sure that we can will be coming back to both of those things i can continue want to get to uh, i want to continue to get a status update from uh, our different folks that we have on this panel this week and uh, we'll we'll cycle back uh jonathan halk uh county commissioner for gunnison county what are you seeing what are you doing what are the next steps
0: sure well thanks for uh the opportunity for for us to be able to be on the radio and and speak to folks in the community i think you know i think probably the the best place for me to start is, is. is the one thing that I'm seeing is a lot of kindness, a lot of love, a lot of community. Um, and, and we have a lot of folks in, in our community who are, are really stepping up. And I think that's really important to recognize. Um, you know, our community has faced adversity and hardships at, at different times, um, but this is uniquely different. Um, and you know, I think that what we're seeing is whether it's, it's the business owners and the entrepreneurs in, in the community Despite the the economic impacts and the business impacts, uh, figuring out on the fly new ways to to do business for those who can, and and I'm watching people step up and assist older people and looking out for their neighbors, and I think that's really important. Um, our schools have made a remarkable response, uh, not just K twelve, but our preschools and and also looking at the university and the work they've done, um, and you know, I think it's important, you know, that we have, a, a you know, a really dedicated team of people in this community to work together, the municipalities, as well as the county, our federal partners, uh, our fire protection districts, our law enforcement folks. And when you see what's happening at the EOC and what's going on with the response and people putting that training into actual work, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And I think that, um, you know, we're in for, you know, a, an event that's going to going to go on for a while and people recognize that. And part of it is the, the ability of the com- community to kind of scramble and be flexible and realize that directives and information and, and pieces are changing. And, and as a community, we're adapting the best that we can. And, you know, I can talk, I think a little bit later on about some of the, the actual programs and things we're trying to get up and going, but I think, you know, I'll, I'll end at least this part where I started it, you know, in, in a community like Gunnison County, um, and, and a valley like the Gunnison Valley, I'm, I'm really happy to see the overwhelming, uh, despite some of the frustration and, and maybe some of the angst, more than anything, we're seeing kindness, we're seeing love, and we're seeing community, and uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything else from our community. We step up with these kind of characteristics all the time, uh, but to see how the community is responding right now, we, we're going to get through this. We're going to figure this out. This is really hard. There's no doubt about it, but this community has got a, a a spirit about itself that I'm really proud of. And I, and I see it showing up every day.
2: Great. Thank you for that, Jonathan. And, um, to Kimberly Bohonik, uh, with the center for mental health, uh, what are you seeing, what are you doing and what are your next steps?
1: I would just echo a lot of what Jonathan said around what I'm seeing in the community when I am out and about, um, the center for mental health has closed all of our facilities Um, in the Gunnison County area and we are operating via a telebehavioral health platform. Um, So services are continuing. We're all just working from remote HIPAA compliant um, locations and we are setting up um, a warm line. Instead of uh, another line, we're going to use our existing crisis line, 970-252-6220 And people with concerns um, around their just general behavioral health or mental health needs during this COVID-19 crisis can call that line um, and and just get some general support and help. And then, of course, if people want to access new services, um, we are doing that through all all our locations, um, open to new clients. I think next steps, um, we're going to have to pace ourselves um, and keep ourselves well um, so that we can, t- can continue to support, um, everyone's behavioral health needs throughout the duration of this event.
2: Sure. And thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Chris Work with the Gunnison Country Times, uh, who like myself has been working quite often uh, and regularly, uh, reporting in the community. Tell us what you are seeing in your community.
4: Thanks, Chris. Um, you know, I spent some time this weekend wandering around. Uh, I went to the alternative treatment center that's being set up. And it, it's pretty impressive, um, the preparation that's, that's underway to handle overflow of patients should we need it. And, and I know Joni has said the goal is that, we, you know, we don't need it. But um, you know, I saw people volunteering there, giving up their Saturday afternoon. Um, assembling little screens and dressing cots and um, making sure that should someone become ill and we don't have enough beds, but they still need treatment, there is a place for them to go. Um, I wandered around, got some exercise this weekend. I saw a lot of people out exercising, but practicing their social distancing, of course. and. Um, yeah, it was relatively peaceful this weekend, so I'm hoping that it's going to continue because, um, as Kimberly mentioned, it's in—we're in for the long haul. Um, you know, I know people—they get enthusiastic at first, I like to see people turning tuning in for information and seeing how serious the situation is, and continuing to exercise patience. Um, we've seen it already; just hope it keeps continuing. So.
2: Sure, and thank you. What I've observed. Thank you for that, Chris, and all your reporting you've done for um, Gunnison and the whole county. And we're also joined right now by Mark Riemann of the Crested Butte News, um, who can tell us a little bit about what he's seeing in his community. Uh, Mark, are you there?
5: I am. Thanks, Chris. Um, Just like everybody, you know, I think we're uh, seeing the community really come together, and they're trying to do their best to adhere to this weird situation. Uh, In in a county full of independent people, I see people actually coming together in the community as a community and are actually listening to public health orders. Um, Going down Elk Avenue in my car today, uh, I stopped and took a picture of people lining up for the post office, and they were all 8 to 10 feet apart, waiting to go inside one at a time. One person comes out, another goes in. Uh, People were talking and laughing and having... uh, I wouldn't say a good time, but they were, uh, but they were being part of a community. You know, I uh, hiked up a bit of Red Lady and saw a trailhead uh, full of snowmobiles and skiers, and everyone was really respectful uh, at the Kebler trailhead yesterday. It was great. So, um, as people are coming up with kind of new and uh, creative ways to help one another, it just speaks to the community. Uh, I think one of the people down at the operations center said it. It took us being forced apart to come even closer together and we were already a pretty close community and so uh, I think that's working up here in Crested Butte and down in Gunnison.
2: Yeah, and I just wanted to echo your the the notion that folks are coming up with very creative ideas to uh, for how to support their community. That's definitely something I've witnessed. I would love to draw attention uh, to uh, Triple L, uh, Laura Silva, who's a Kbut DJ here, um, who's hosting these live DJ sets on Facebook. Um, full Soul Train costume, um, looking absolutely fantastic, and you know pulling in a lot of joy. Um, in, in that way. And we see that throughout the community. And, um, I think that that is really something to take note of during this difficult time. Um, just how people are coming together and the creativity behind some of the ideas, uh, that people have to, to help their neighbors, um, I, I wanted to circle back to a question for Joni, uh, and I was wondering, Joni, if we could uh, learn a little bit more about today's news that there was a uh, COVID-19 related death in Gunnison County. Um, a Question, were there underlying health conditions? And what else can you tell us about uh, this person who passed away?
3: Yeah. um, Sadly, this was um, an individual that wasn't in the age risk uh, category, but did have some health risk factors. And um, unfortunately, the death occurred at their home and the coroner um, responded and did the testing postmortem. So, I, I don't have we don't really have um, a lot of details because the disease course itself was not in a healthcare setting, but rather the person was at home and it sounded like um, rather a sudden event at the house. But um, yet tragedy in the loss of any individual from this virus and in particular in our community. Sure, and I, I
2: understand he uh, this was somebody in their 50s. You're right. It was um, a male in his fifties. Yes. And I believe Chris Rourke, you have a, a question that you'd like to ask.
4: Yeah. I mean, Jenny, you've, you've spoken to the numbers, uh, uh, 39 have tested positive. Um, you're still waiting on 56 tests to come back. What has surprised me are, are these self report numbers. You have almost 500 of them. Um, how, re- how, I guess that what I'm asking is, you have said that the positive test results aren't necessarily representative of all the illnesses that are here in the county when i look at 500 you know self-report forms how true to form is that when you look at them
3: yeah i think that's um, very indicative just based on the test results that we have Um, there's some different models out there chris that Really, try to give you a sense um, because of the limited testing not only that's available here in our county but throughout the state and throughout the nation. Um, the the models really say that based on your test results, you could expect that you're actually seeing ten to fifty fold um, in your community. And so the fact wow. that we see over five hundred you know five hundred approximately folks that are self reporting is is very indicative that we have widespread. Um, illness in the community and how much of that is related to covid nineteen is you know hard to tell just based on the symptoms reporting alone because we have other viruses including the flu circulating but I do think based on the numbers, if you multiply the test positive tests we have we have so far we would expect to see hundreds of cases in our community that have not been tested.
2: Okay. Joni, um from any of the data that you've collected so far, we have folks that are asking um essentially for uh, you know a progress report, are there any signs of slowing down the spread here in Gunnison county? Uh, are there any signs that uh, you know precautions that have been taken here have had any effect on uh, the prevalence of covid nineteen yet?
3: Gosh, it's the most challenging question of all and actually often one of the most challenging questions in public health in general is some of the best public health measures show that nothing's happening. And when nothing's happening, that means that public health is working. And so the fact that we haven't overwhelmed our healthcare system at this point, the fact that we still continue to be able to serve the individuals um, at the hospital and through our healthcare providers says to me that it's working, but the data itself doesn't give me numbers to actually point to to tell you that. We are using some of those numbers, and we've been working with some um, statisticians to try to help to see if we can build a model that could po- possibly do some predicting for us about where we're at, and based on reducing the efficiency of the virus as far as its spread, where we might be headed, As far as a peak or how we might be projected out of how long um, it will take for us to get through this uh, crisis period, but we don't have that yet built, but that is one piece I'm trying to do with the data that we've got.
2: Sure. Um, And now I'm going to send a question over to Kimberly Bohonik, and we are going to come back to questions um, about testing and about some public health orders later on. But I did want to make sure that we uh, made mental health and behavioral health and mental stability a a a part of this conversation because it is becoming so very quickly, it's been a massive disruption to our everyday lives. I'm wondering, Kimberly, what are some of the ways that um, anxiety around this outbreak might manifest itself in ways that people might not recognize at first? How, what, what happens to people?
1: I think often um, just being able to recognize if you're being shorter with yourself or with others than you normally would be, like a shorter frustration tolerance is often a sign of, of stress um, or worry um, and really being open to hearing that from the people that you're around. Um, hey, if I'm, if I'm acting this way or if I'm short, please let me know because I want to be aware and, and, and change how I'm responding to you. And just like cabin fever, you know, being cooped up and not knowing what the next hour or next, you know, um, day is going to bring. And just really trying to capture those thoughts of concern or worry and set them aside. And I think use your belief system, maintain a routine, you know, limit the time that you spend um, taking in information about the situation to kind of bring that own sense of normalcy back to your life.
2: Um, and so what are some some other I, you know I, I don't want to use the word basics, but what are some of the other basics we should all know about coping with a crisis uh, like this?
1: I mean, I always say start by giving yourself grace or, or privilege to make mistakes and, and own them and say, you know, I'm sorry for that. I could have done that better. I think I've seen a lot of examples day to day with people through that. Um, I think also calling or or FaceTiming or some type of video platform, people you might otherwise not connect with that you care about, making sure that you communicate that care. um, Take time to laugh and be silly. I was just thinking about um, your Soul Train event. I may have seen her walking around Crested (laughs) Viewer. week and I got a real chuckle. I was like, now all the activities are canceled. Who's wearing a top hat and corduroys and this fancy coat? Um, and I wanted to be a part of it, you know? Um, so, you know, really laughter creates endorphins for the body that it's good. Um, you know, and hold on to those things that you find joy in throughout the day. Um, really. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned right now about instances of domestic violence or other domestic issues coming up um, because of loss of wages and stress and um, emotional, financial, and otherwise. So, you know, be good to your neighbors and make sure that they're safe and making good decisions as much as you can.
2: And Kimberly, we also have some questions coming in from, from parents. Um, asking how to talk to their kids about COVID-19 and what's happening. Um, Do you have anything you can share on that? Have you, uh, is that something that you're seeing at the Center for Mental Health that people are trying to figure that out, how to talk to their kids?
1: Um, Absolutely. Um, I think my approach is always just the facts at a developmentally appropriate age. So you may have A three year old and a 13 year old that cognitively may work um, the same way, maybe because of a developmental disability or something like that, and a 13 year old. So, you just want to give them the information that you know they can handle, um, which is, you know, this is a virus um, like any other virus, cold, flu, or otherwise. We practice good hand washing, um, keep, you know, our fingers out of our nose and ears and eyes and places it doesn't go. Um, And that adults, we are here to protect you and warn you um, when you're not practicing good social um, behaviors with others. There's some books and resources um, that people can share. Um, I sent one to Joni earlier today. I'm sure she'll get around to it. And it's in just about every language. Um, that just states the facts and then really support their emotions around it and the loss they're experiencing from, you know, not seeing friends to not having, you know, graduation and, and so on and so forth. But stand firm and, you know, our health and safety is our first priority. Um, and as adults, it's our jobs to protect you from what you may not otherwise um, be aware of. Sure. And um, I I
2: just wanted to point out, I believe actually I've saw it on the Gunnison County website as well. But um, NPR, who we are an affiliate station, um, put out uh, um, a comic and a guide for talking to kids about COVID-19 that um, has been quite popular. And uh, that's a resource that I'm aware of. Um, And Chris from the Gunnison Country Times, Chris Rourke, I believe you had another question related. Uh, Chris, uh, looks like we are not hearing you. There you go. Sorry.
4: <laughs> Slow on the mute button. Sorry,
2: Chris. <laughs> no, that's quite all right.
4: Um, Joni mentioned this morning the need for mental health health professionals on um, the call center lines. You know, I'm curious, is it an issue of people are worried about getting the virus are you dealing with people who are cooped up and, and don't know what to do with themselves? You know, what is that specific need?
3: Yeah, I think we're seeing both. I think the callers that are calling in, sometimes they're anxious. Some are anxious about not getting their test results. Some are anxious about how long this is going to last and what this means to them individually. For some, obviously, it has a direct impact with their employment. And so it's a variety. In addition to that, Chris, we've got a number of volunteers that are staffing the call center as well as volunteers that are working throughout this response and my concern is really about supporting everybody it's been it's been a tireless effort but one that's had a lot of stress and I want to be sure that everybody gets some support around their own mental health and how to manage and how to cope both individually and then just collectively at the call center at our emergency operations center and throughout the community
4: yeah sure I'm, I'm sure some of um the pressure that weighs on people's minds is, of course, the financial aspect of things. Uh, that doesn't help our mental health at all when we're, you know, worried about how we're going to make a living.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The, the The current situation is unprecedented, and it has a ripple effect in so many arenas. And financial, for sure, which is just pervasively concerning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> live radio folks yeah no I mean I think I, I did just kind of want to throw my hat into this bring up uh, actually um something that happened last week when we did this event um w- when we were doing our live Q a we were offered very graciously by the, the the ice lab to use their space we sh- we got that offered that space uh, a couple days before uh, we actually held the event And uh, when we got there, it was a very, very small room that they were asking us to set up. And of course, this had been after uh the social distancing uh ordinance and had you know orders had been put into place. And we ended up moving to a different room. We broadcast uh from the the pitch cave at the ice lab, which was there's some some great photos of it, it's a bizarre. A little space to be broadcasting a radio show out of, but it was uh, we we couldn't fully maintain some social distancing. There were some photos that came up, and we got a little bit of flack for it. And and it was one of these issues that we tried to consider as best we could, but we weren't we just weren't equipped to deal with the idea of of dealing with uh, you know a six foot space between absolutely everyone. We were concentrating on getting our job uh, our jobs done to you know provide. Uh, a service to the community. And I just bring that up as sort of, an, you know, an example of how this experience for everyone is pushing people into, uh, you know, out of their comfort zones and pushing people into, you know, having to make decisions that are difficult to make, and you might not always make the right decision. Um, and it's, it's I, you know, I see that quickly becoming another part of the conversation uh, in dealing with With mental health. Um, And I think that Chris brought up another part uh, that is obviously bringing a lot of stress to people's lives. And that is a financial situation. Um, I wanted to direct a question to Jonathan Houck. Um, we saw that the state government is asking folks to be lenient about rent. Um, there are, you know, other programs in place. But where would you see your your citizens here in the Gunnison Gunnison Valley um, able to look for some financial relief and some financial help?
0: Sure, and I think you know it's uh, uh you know, we we start talking about there's you know this issue in our community that is a health based issue and there's a mental health issue. And we also have an economic situation. It's a hardship for our community, for individuals, for business owners, uh, for Main Street and Elk Avenue, um, and and for everyone is being touched by this some way in that financial sector. And I think the important thing for folks to, to keep in mind is, is our most immediate and pressing uh, way we react to the situation. One is the first lens we look through um, is how do we address the medical issue in our community? How do we address this health issue? And we have a great team, uh, led by, by Joni as our public health officer. Um, and she is able to, to activate the resources she needs to address that. And the elected bodies have been working, uh, and taking our time and our resources to really try to start to see what, uh, Resources are available for the economic stress that people in the community are feeling now will feel later and will continue to feel uh, For for a while and we understand that it's personal its household its business um, it, it's it's wide wide scoping and so uh, John Mesner, as, as a commissioner and, and many of the other electeds really started out um, As soon as they could to start addressing how do we look at opportunities Uh, for our community, and so there's there's an economic task force that has been put together pretty quickly, um, looking at federal, state, county, municipal, uh, private opportunities, um, and then divide that into different subgroups, so restaurants, retail, lodging, manufacturing, outfitters and guides, contractors, early childhood, Um, and what we're trying to do in these smaller groups, and, and a lot of folks from our business community, and our entrepreneurial community, and our volunteer community, are participating as well, but we're trying to extrapolate. All of a sudden, everyone from the federal level down, to the state level, and the regional level are trying to bring forth economic uh, solutions and opportunities. So we're trying to drill through those. What does the federal aid package look like? What different departments within the federal government is that involving? How does that flow down to local government? How does that get from the state to the local government? How can we enact these pieces pretty quickly? And it is a pretty daunting challenge. And you know, every morning I wrote when I, I used to do search and rescue and there was a quote and I don't know who it's attributed to. It's not mine by any stretch, but we always remind ourselves we start by doing what's necessary. Then we do what's possible. And suddenly you're able to take on the things that seem impossible. And I think that's really where we're at as a community. We're starting with what's necessary. So you brought up uh, people are going to be challenged to pay their mortgages and their rents. Um, what programs and opportunities can be put in place? How can we work with folks? to make sure that there is uh, you know some kind of uh, softer landing than your rents do and it's in and and how do we help these people get the assistance that we need how do we work make sure that food insecurity isn't an issue for folks how do we make sure kids that have relied on food at schools can still get food while they're doing distance learning you know we're taking on those ones that are necessary then we're going to move in Uh, Next to that phase of those things that are possible and soon we'll be engaging those things that right now might seem like insurmountable task and so um, looking at the directives coming from the state, you know I we want to look and see you know Where can we find that opportunity for people here around, you know getting that same recommendation the governor's put out? How can we? uh, you know work with people to ease the uh, the the amount of bills that they're gonna have piling up utilities rent mortgages and those things and find opportunities uh, to help people address those needs without penalty and, and with generosity and kindness.
2: Sure. And uh, Mark Riemann, I believe uh, you have a question for Jonathan Halk that you'd like to ask.
5: Yeah, Jonathan, I was listening to one of the business meetings last week. I think it was on Friday and uh, John Norton of TAP said that the commissioners were considering using some of the local marketing district funds to go directly uh, to people in the community that might be in need. And, he was a lukewarm on that, thinking that perhaps it would be better spent when the time comes to get more people here. Have you guys uh, hashed that out? Have you thought about using some LMD funds uh, directly?
0: I think I think the directive that that he was working under, Mark, was the one that we said, you know, let's take a look at every resource, let's take a look at every program, and You know, we're literally on the fly trying to figure out how can we best utilize resources that we have and direct them to to places that the economic impact is going to happen, you know, that and and so how do we soften that blow and how do we recover as quickly as possible? And so the commissioners haven't met specifically on that issue, but I think John has, has reached out to commissioners individually and we make up the LMD board collectively. And I think what the community needs to hear that The approach that we're taking as a board, and I believe that municipal uh, governments are taking the same approach. What tools are in our toolbox that we can actually utilize in a different way than we traditionally have and make those opportunities uh, where we can uh, available to to deal with the situation we're in now? And so, do I have a direct yes or no? Can we use those funds? I don't have that answer yet. But um, the first part of your question was, are we open to ideas? Absolutely. Right on.
2: And I just wanted to jump in, folks, to let our listeners uh, remind our listeners that they're listening to KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. My name is Christopher Biddle. This is some special programming that we've brought to you, a live question and answer session with local officials and reporters here in the Gunnison Valley dealing with COVID-19 you can call in your questions if you have any, 970-349-7444. Um, and here is a question that I think is very interesting. How will Gunnison County react if we are able to flatten the curve through social distancing, but other states or region uh, are slow to act and are still seeing growth and spread of the disease while we are tapering? Will we enact mandatory quarantine for those entering the county? Well, well Close our roads like San Juan. Uh, you know, are we, will we see further restrictions in that case uh, that Gunnison County is able to to quote unquote flatten the curve, but other areas around us are not. Uh, and I suppose that's either a question for for Joni or for Jonathan, but uh, whoever wants to answer that.
3: Thanks, Chris. I'm glad to respond. I I do think that's a consideration that that I've been watching and will continue to watch, and that's partly why. I issued the public health orders on Saturday with a revision around those that had traveled outside of the county. Um, I think that folks in this county are incredibly amazing and have done incredible um, work to try to comply with the public health orders. The public health orders around the nation have looked different. Public health orders in the Front Range have looked different. Um, Here on the Western Slope, we're seeing quite a variance. And so I do think that the risk is real outside of the county in addition to spread within our county and I do think that there could be a difference in the timing of when we peak and when we see our um, high number of cases compared to other points either in our state or outside our state so that's something I want to continue to monitor and look to how best to insulate our community.
2: And Joni, um, you, you know, we were just just shortly, just a little while ago on NPR's All Things Considered, uh, heard a press conference from the president, and uh, there was a lot of discussion about timing. Uh, we do have a listener that's asking: Are folks, are, are, are officials considering a longer stretch of time than fifteen days? Um, to enforce social distancing and some of the public orders that have gone on. Uh, and he points out in this question that we're a week into the two weeks, uh, originally that the president had indicated, but are, you know, are, is there any idea now, um, about duration of what's going on? Uh, do we have a better sense of that yet?
3: I don't have an exact timeline yet, Chris, but I do think that two weeks is the beginning of seeing social distancing and seeing some impact. It actually takes weeks after that to actually see that in the data or in the cases. And from the public health models that I've seen from CDC and from other places um, across the globe, WHO is another one. It, it's going to be longer than a couple weeks in order to have a long-term impact. Um, a couple weeks and then reversing the uh, public health measures would likely lead to an, a, a, a secondary spike. So you'd see one pi- one peak and then you would see a lull and then you would see another peak, um, both of which could overwhelm or over-impact our healthcare system.
2: Um, so, I mean, there is potential for oh, something kind of long-term. Um, I am curious to know if the county has thought about or prepared for the possibility of any kind of uh, unrest or rebelling against some of these public orders and how to plan for that, how to go about dealing with that. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I think as we continue as a... As a county and as a state and as a nation, um, we're all going to have to consider that of how do we manage collectively for the betterment of the entire community, um, despite some um, limits or frustrations individually. And I don't know what that time frame looks like. I don't, you know, I, I think individuals will have different levels of tolerance and um, collectively we probably will be able to help support each other to be able to do that longer term um, social distancing and managing this crisis. I do think fatigue will set in and I think that'll be a collective um, effort for us as a community of how we manage that. I don't have a magic wand. If I did, I, I would have waved it a long time ago on this county.
0: Yeah, and I think, I, this is Jonathan, if you don't mind me adding on, I think, you know, this uh, you know, we're going to appeal to the greatest good in all of us in this community. and We're seeing it show up day in, and day out, and you know, I think that one thing to, to keep in mind is that you know the reservoir of, of goodwill and and trying to uh, think beyond ourselves is evident right now. And I think that reinforcing you know the things that are happening in our community are working now. Um, they're going to work over time, and this is a long kind of a long path. But you know, let's let's take some solace in the ability that we've shown up, we've shown up as a community and we're doing this and we're going to have to scramble and we're going to have to be flexible as time goes on. Um, but we're communicating with each other. And, you know, I think that, you know, right now, you know, keeping the community, reminding ourselves, look at the the good things that are happening. And I know it, it sounds just kind of like, you know, rah, rah talk, but it's the truth. The truth is what will give us gas in the tank for endurance is knowing that the things we're doing every day make a difference. And I think that's really how we look the future, our, our future is going to be better if we appeal to the collective good of our community, like we have, and we've seen them show up in what we're doing right now. That's that's what's going to deliver us to tomorrow. And each day, it's you know it's a domino, um, and until we're we're you know past and the, the the intensity of this storm, you know we'll weather it. But um, it, it's hard to speculate of where we're going to get going. But I know that we're going in the right direction as a community, and I think that's really important to focus on.
2: Sure, and I just wanted to jump in here that I'm, I'm looking at questions as they come in to us, and I just wanted to make sure to point folks to GunnisonCounty.org forward, forward slash COVID-19 where you can find a lot of the information folks are asking, for instance, about the self-reporting uh, form that can be found there. You can also find um, numbers and uh, a lot of information there, uh, including for resources for seniors and for businesses, um, a lot of information on that website, GunnisonCounty.org forward slash COVID-19. Uh, we're also also getting a lot of questions. And I think this kind of ties into what we were just t- talking about right now. We're also getting a lot of questions about travel, and it's almost as though people are sort of testing the limits. Um, they're saying, okay, I'm totally going to make sure that I'm socially isolated and I'm going to be away from folks and I'm not going to stop at gas stations and I'm going to wash my hands all the time. Can I please leave and go backcountry camping? Um Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is another question for Joni. You know, can you condone anything like that right now?
3: Well, right now I don't want anybody coming into our county, and I've made that clear in the public health orders that visitors are directed to leave the county. I think individuals in our community that I think recreation is important, I think it's a positive um, activity for not from, not just for physical activity, but for mental health, for folks to get outside and to recreate. And I support that. I think doing that in the safest way possible, um, thinking about the public health measures is really important. I think if you do that outside of the county, I think any contact you have outside of the county, you should consider the public health orders really asking you then to do that self isolation for seven days to be sure that you haven't inadvertently been exposed and brought a risk back to the community.
2: Sure. And yeah, yeah, I think that people will uh, appreciate that um, clarification there. Uh, what, what are the chances that there will be travel restrictions limiting or preventing the return to Gunnison County? Um, are there any restrictions that would, uh, somebody would need to consider before they left the county on such a, a, an excursion?
3: We have no plans um, to restrict any travel into the county for our residents and for the community homeowners. We we've talked to the state and the state has no plans to alter any highways or do any roadblocks or make any obstructions for folks to be able to travel here. Again, the focus is on visitors and restricting visitors to the county.
2: Okay. Um, Some questions uh, about some basic personal health. Um, This is an interesting one to me that I actually haven't heard this question asked yet. Uh, Wondering if parents of small children have an edge immunity wise to COVID-19 as kids have probably had another form of the coronavirus and a reason why kids seem to have more mild versions of it. Do you think parents uh, have an edge up?
3: a great question. Parents probably have an edge when it comes to resilience and mental health because parents certainly um, are champions and doing a lot of great things for their children and for their families. But from a biological perspective, no. I think that the the difference in the immune system for children is really what the difference is. And it really has to do with immune system not getting overwhelmed and not creating... um, a reaction that actually can cause the complications for those of us that are older than young children. But parents don't get that. Um, unfortunately just by being around the children.
2: Um, great. And I just wanted to bring the the conversation back to, uh, Kimberly Bahunik with the center for mental health. Uh, again, uh, I was wondering um if you could tell us a little bit about uh cabin fever I know that that's something that p- folks have been asking about um uh, uh so folks have been asking us about, and that's actually something that I'm considering. I'm working from home right now, um, doing Morning Edition here on KBUT, actually from my apartment in Mount Crested Butte, um, and that is something I consider a lot. Cabin fever. Um, what are some some recommendations that you might have for folks to get out, um, but stay, uh, you know, within the restraints of um, the, these uh, public orders?
1: Chris, that's a great question. I think our county and just the lack of people in it at the time uh, currently and the miles between us just help make that happen. Um, I think, you know, it could be as simple as going for a walk while maintaining social distancing to, to using trails and in parks within the, their posted limitations. Um, even if you can't get out of the house, you know, do some yoga or some cooking or something, you know, an activity. I know a lot of people are fly uh, tying their flies for fishing later this year um, and just getting ready and preparing uh, much like we would in a winter um, in Gunnison. If you survived a winter in Gunnison, you can get through this cabin fever stage as well.
2: That's very hopeful.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
4: That's absolutely true. Um, Kimberly, this is this is Chris. Speak to the routine aspect of it. Isn't it important to really kind of establish a regular routine? Like, if you're working from home, you get up, have your coffee
1: by your computer, you know, work for a couple hours, take a break. Uh, speak to that a little bit. Absolutely, I think maintaining um, and keeping a routine is is key. I know even my own children are like. Mom, is spring break over? And they asked that Saturday morning. We're like, technically, yes, because they go to the Gunnison School District. Um, So I just would recommend getting up, um, getting dressed, doing everything you would normally do, whether you're leaving your home for work or not. Make sure you're hydrating throughout the day. and, And I mean, just good quality water, not, you know, Red Bulls and other um energy drinks of that kind. Um, eat at least two small meals a day that have some protein. Make sure you're resting and exercising. Um, I know many people tend to overdo it in times like this. Um, I know my mentality has often been if I'm busy I'm being productive and I'm helpful. Um, that's not necessarily true. Um, Chris work with the Times knows this. I did my own personal um Health order um, for the last 72 hours, Friday through Sunday. Um, and I had to really own some things um, to take care of myself. And I would kind of suggest anybody that likes that idea to take it and run with it. You know, what's going to keep me mentally well through this time and, and invoke your own personal health order when and as you need it. Well, didn't I catch you on Facebook
4: this weekend? You probably
2: did. I cheated. Yeah. No, that is, that is as somebody who has to spend a lot of time on social media for work. uh, I have seen that recommendation uh, to stay off of social media. Um, And uh, I mean, I can't fully get away from it, but that's definitely something I'd like to support. I also just wanted to say something that I've gotten a lot of joy uh, in, in these recent weeks. I am uh, an out of stater, like so many of us uh, here in the Gunnison Valley, uh, I am from Vermont. I am away from my family and I miss them during this time. And we've uh, started a, a family email chain, just an update from various cousins and distant family members. Uh, the matriarch of the family made some jokes about, um, you know, as long as she doesn't run out of bourbon. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a, it was a very enjoyable, light-hearted conversation between family members and we're staying in touch. And it's something I've, thoroughly enjoyed. And I just want to put that out to the rest of our panel here. Does anybody else have any tips on uh, how they're coping, how they're dealing with stress, how they're dealing with this crisis right now uh, from a personal point of view?
0: Sure. This is, this is Jonathan. I'll, I'll add in, you know, one thing that I've been trying to, to do with with my family is balancing this idea of what are the normal things we do and what are new ways to do those things? And, uh, you know, it was tough to to pull the plug on spring break with the kids. My daughter for uh, who turns 16 tomorrow was going to be heading to New York. This for the first time with her grandmother had to come up with alternative plans for my son and my wife and I, we were going to go camping in the desert. And we, you know, we pulled the plug on that. And so I was thinking like, okay, it's going to be a while before we can all go camping and be around folks, but maybe we can do it a different way. And so I'm waiting for the next little stretch of warm weather where We could invite the two or three families we normally camp with together that maybe everyone can have a camp out in their backyard and then get the kids on their devices. You know, the ones we're always trying to get them off of. But like, you know, my kids in a tent here at this house can FaceTime, you know, our neighbor's kids who are, you know, a few blocks away. What are those ways that you can kind of throw them into like, here, go solve this or figure out how you can do this differently and taking something they're familiar with and adding something a little different to it. And I think the other thing too is, is trying to, you know, see where they can pitch in and volunteer. And I think that goes for all of us, not just for our kids, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, as my kids are working uh, from home and the school districts providing guidance, you know, how can, how can they volunteer and and put things out in the community that are helpful? You know, we've got so many great people volunteering and you can find that volunteer tab on the County website. If folks are interested in volunteering along with business resources and community resources and the public health orders, but You know, if you if you've got an art project that you got to do for school, can that be a project that you can send to your neighbor that maybe lives by themselves or doesn't have a lot of contact? Like, what are those things you can do that are part of your routine, but you can see them in a new way? And so that's that's what I've been trying to do with my family and folks in my neighborhood and, and folks in my circle is, you know, how can we do some of the things we like, but maybe put a new twist on it?
2: Sure. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to add to that conversation? I have some more questions, but the floor is open if anybody's interested pitching in on – how you're dealing with stress. Uh, by the way, folks, listeners, you can call in as well if you'd like to comment on that, share something interesting that you're doing to stay, um, stay in, in stay right during uh, this stressful time. Um, I wanted to bring back a couple questions for Joni. Um, first of all, Joni, just sort of an overarching questions. We're getting a lot of questions about, um, you know, how long the disease lasts, how long you are um, contagious. Uh, who it's affecting. I was wondering if you could just, for folks that we, we only have about 11 more minutes, so we're not going to get to answer as many questions as we'd like to tonight, but folks that would like to learn more, where can they learn more? Where is the the best source that you believe uh, to learn more about COVID-19? Uh, again, this is a question for Joni.
3: Sure. Thanks, Chris. I think uh, CDC.gov has some of the best information. The Centers for Disease Control Um If you go to CDC.gov and just Google COVID-19, you'll find uh, great information there. The truth is there's quite wide ranges, and so we think folks are likely contagious four to ten days before they actually show symptoms, and the average person who recovers quickly, it'll probably be about a week-long disease from the time they get symptoms, but someone who has uh, more severe complications, it could be multiple weeks um, disease course, but CDC.gov has some great information.
2: And just some more health questions here, um, and this one I find very encouraging. Um, well, and not quite a health question, but I am from an at-risk demographic, uh, elderly. I've self-isolated for 14 days. Uh, the question is, how can I help?
3: Um I'm sorry, Chris. Helping the individual, the person who's uh,
2: I think that I think the question is how can I help? Uh, how can I volunteer? This is a person who is is an elderly uh, at risk demographic, but has already self isolated for 14 days. I guess the well, question is there. Yeah. What? Sorry. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, that's great. So we have Arden who is helping uh, lead up our volunteers and. Um, Arden has volunteers that are working from their homes and volunteers that are doing deliveries, actually just started a new delivery assistance hotline today for anyone that might need help with getting food or pharmaceuticals. Anyone who's healthy and able to pick up their own, we're hoping they can do that on their own. But for someone who maybe is at risk or over 60 or symptomatic or self-isolating, they can call uh, the on the assistance hotline to get some assistance. And we have some volunteers that are going to pick up those groceries. But we also have volunteers that are doing work from their home. So, um, the the volunteer can go directly through Arden and I'll get you that email so we can post that.
2: And when they uh, volunteer, is there any way of, uh, you know, possibly screening folks that might not be a good, uh, that might not, it might not be a good idea for them to volunteer. For instance, we have somebody asking, you know, should we go out and volunteer or should we stay in our home? And I'm a volunteer at heart, but I'm a 52 two year old woman with this sp- uh, without a spleen who has a minor, Sixteen-year-old daughter, so we are sheltering in place. So, are there are there ways that folks can find out if they're actually suited uh, uh, and you you know you do want them volunteering, or uh, do you ever need to say folks no? You know, we we would recommend that you stay at home.
3: Yeah, and that, and that sounds like a great example of someone who can do the um, staying at home and self isolating like that, sheltering in place. That sounds really smart. Arden is at Arden. A-R-D-E-N at Gunnison.com, A-R-D-E-N at Gunnison.com. And indeed, he is working with the individuals. I on know not only what their skill set is and what they'd like to do as volunteers, but also what their limits are to be sure that we're placing them safely in whatever position might be appropriate. And then just to give you one other number, Chris, the new delivery assistance hotline is uh, 641-7959, 641 641- seven, nine, five, nine. And again, that's for individuals that maybe are at risk or over 60, maybe need help getting their food or pharmaceutical deliveries.
2: And I believe we've got a question from Chris Rourke from the Gunnison Country Times. Go ahead, Chris.
4: Hey, Johnny, You know, i talking about shelter in place uh, today. The Denver mayor issued a stay at home order. At what point did we get to that here in the Valley?
3: You know, I read that, Chris, and, and I actually think our public health orders align very well with others. We just haven't used the language shelter in place. I think what we've tried to do in our community is really find the ways to restrict the interactions that could put our community at risk for the spread of the disease. And when you look at uh, Denver County's um, recent uh shelter in place orders they actually still have more activity happening in denver than what we've restricted here in gunnison county so i have to say i think where we're at is where we should be at this time i don't know that the shelter in order would move us any further on that continuum other than to use the language that i think has become popular across the country it's just a
4: matter of semantics
3: i believe so chris
2: Okay. Joni, uh, let me ask you this, Uh, an order that came down in San Juan County over the weekend banned backcountry skiing. Uh, I know there are a lot of folks out there that are wondering if that's something that's going to happen.
3: It's one consideration that we've certainly, um, that I've thought about and I've talked with some colleagues about. I think recreation is important, finding ways to support folks being able to go out, especially in our beautiful county. But at the same time, making certain that we're not putting our emergency medical services at risk of not being able to respond to all the needs in the community is sure. kind of that balancing act. And so we're maintaining, you know, kind of a vigil of monitoring how is EMS doing. And if we did get to a place where the surge was such that we could not manage an, an out, a, a, a backcountry country situation in addition to responding to the COVID-19, I would certainly want to consider public health orders at that time to limit um, that impact on our EMS system.
2: Sure, and uh, folks, we are getting to the uh, towards the end of our time. We've got about five minutes left. I want to let our listeners know that we are going to continue to do these, and we would love it if our questions kept on coming. Uh, your questions from the community, uh, you can always email them to news at kbut.org. dot uh, org. We are. We'll have our phone lines open here for just a little bit longer. Um I'm wondering if there are any final words or things that folks uh, we haven't been able to talk about in this uh hour that we've had so far about an hour that they'd like to talk about before uh we let everyone uh head on out. Um do, anything from my panel?
1: Chris, this is Kimberly Bohanic with the Center for Mental Health again. Just want to remind callers that they can use our crisis line 24/7 970-252 6220 for any mental health or behavioral health concerns around COVID 19. No cost, no questions, call anytime.
3: Hi, Chris, it's Joni. I just wanted to say thank you to Mark for the work that he's done to get the word out through his paper around resources and what's available in the county. I think the full page uh, description has been really valuable. And I think that's really helped individual community members. And I'll just remind folks that if they have questions that they need answers to, our call center here in Gunnison County is 641-7660, 641-7660. And they're there from nine to five to answer questions, help folks that maybe have symptoms and need to know where to go.
2: Great. And I do just want to let folks know that if uh, they happen to be on the KBUT website, if they want to listen to a recording of last week's uh, session with um, health officials or this week's session, which we'll have later up on the web, um, you can also find a lot of links to county resources uh, as well as a number of other state and and regional uh, and, and national resources um, here in the Gunnison Valley, um, so thank you so much, folks, for joining me this week. My guests uh, here on Community Radio right now are Chris Work of the Gunnison Country Times, Kimberly Bohonik of the Center for Mental Health, Gunnison County Commissioner Jonathan Halk, and Mark Riemann of the Crested Butte News. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to um, be on this panel this week, folks. And we hope to keep providing more of these. This is community radio for the entire Gunnison Valley. My name is Christopher Biddle. Keep it tuned. Uh, Bobby Digital is coming up next with Bobby's World here on KBUT. KBUT.